Good morning, and welcome to Highways Digital Stream. I'm so glad that you're here, whether you're joining us live or after the fact. Thanks for being with us. Today, we're continuing on in our teaching series, Stories of Transformation. Through each story, we're able to glimpse another facet of both who God is and what he does in us, among us, and through us. We are made witnesses to God's redemptive work through stories. And so highway staffers are continuing to share personal stories this summer, interspersed with parables which share the transforming power of the risen Jesus Christ in our day-to-day lives. This morning, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to breathe deeply and open your hearts to receive the gift of hearing this personal life story. The second story in our series will be shared by Richie Takasugi, Highway's Student Ministry Director. Two and a half years ago, our community was doubly blessed when we hired Richie. Not only did we get an awesome leader for our students, but his recent marriage also gifted us his amazing wife, Deanna. These newlyweds will be celebrating their first anniversary this fall. One of my favorite facts about Richie is his delightful and storied job history. In addition to experience working in both youth and worship ministries, Richie also completed a stint as a telemarketer and he once worked at a combination ice cream sushi burrito restaurant. I guess I'm saying that the man can sell anything. Jokes aside, I am so grateful that Richie joined our church family. From the day he interviewed at our church, we could feel his warmth and kindness radiating. I still remember saying at the end that if I had to get bad news from anyone, I'd want it to be him. And that has held true. Richie has the gifts of both insight and grace. And so when he sees something, he calls out to it with both clarity and affirmation. And he loves our students deeply. At our staff meetings, he will frequently share stories from the previous week. And it's so clear how much he loves and respects both our youth and our youth leaders. He's a truly amazing colleague and friend. And I'm looking forward to listening as we learn more from Richie's life story this morning. And with that, Richie, please take it away. It's great to be here with all of you. My name is Richie. I'm the student ministry director here at Highway. You know, as I've read through different parts of scripture at various times in my life, the book I've read the most is the book of Genesis. And I think this is one of my most favorite books in the Bible. Um, Genesis for me has the feelings of excitement I had growing up as a kid, getting my first Bible and thinking to myself that I might as well start in Genesis because that's just where you start in every single book that I've ever read. But it's also one of the books that I was the most confused about after reading it in middle school and even as I read it today. Um, See, Genesis for me is a symbol that encapsulates a large portion of what scripture is to me confusing, but intriguing at the same time. I often read Genesis, think one thing, and the following year read something else in Genesis, and have my entire perspective shift from what I once thought to be true to something else that may look or feel a little different. As I've gotten a little older now, I've continued to learn and find things about myself that I thought were never going to be true. For example, uh, let me give you the rundown of what it would look like for my family and I to leave our house for church. 
We'd get up at 7 a.m., which for me as a teenager, and if I'm honest, even now, felt like an ungodly hour to wake up at. Uh, I grew up going to a church in Redwood City, about a 20-minute drive to church, and our church would start at 9 a.m., but either my mom or my dad would always have something they were doing at church earlier than when service started. So my family and I would get up at 7 a.m., get ready. I would brush my teeth, wash up, throw on whatever clothes I happened to pull out of my drawer and get in the car. And I kid you not, every single week, every single time we left the house, whether it be for church or just leaving the house for dinner, my dad was always, always the last one out of the house. It didn't matter what was happening. My dad could be almost out the door, way ahead of us, and my brother and I would somehow end up beating my dad to the car. It kind of turned into a running joke with my dad. Sometimes if he was about to beat my brother or I, he might even be steps out of the door and I would cut him off so that he was the last one out of the house. See, my dad had a routine that he did before getting into the car. He would always check if things were off. He'd go through the stove knobs and make sure all the knobs were in the off position. Sometimes he would do this verbally, touching each knob and saying out loud, off, 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 off. And he'd check all the lights to make sure they were off. I remember a few times catching him actually turning the light switch on and then off and then on and then off again to really make sure the lights were off. Um, sometimes he might revisit the stove to check again if the stove was turned off again. He'd then lock up the front door and push and pull to make sure the door was actually locked. So my dad wasn't the last in the car because he was slow or just not looking at the time. He just wanted to make sure that the house was secure, that there wasn't going to be an accidental fire happening or some stranger being able to easily walk through our front door while we were gone. He wanted to make sure we were safe and that we weren't wasting electricity. For context, my dad in a, worked in a lab where he made teeth like crowns for your teeth and he'd work with fire. And there's only one time they forgot to turn off the kiln where they melt metal in and they were lucky enough that nothing had burned, um, but the kiln was fine as well. Uh, but after that, all it took for my dad, he just thought to himself, all it takes is that one time of forgetting to turn off the kiln and the entire building might go down. Anyway, after his routine, my dad would make his way to the car. And I remember as a kid driving off maybe two to three blocks down and my dad wondering whether or not he locked the garage and he'd turn around, he'd turn the car around, drive back down those two to three blocks to make sure that our garage was closed. And of course it was. The thing I remember thinking to myself constantly while all of this was happening was that I will never be like my dad. I'll never do the things he did. When I grow up, I want to make sure I'm the first one in the car. I'm not going to check all the knobs, lock doors, on and off switches more than one time. I'm different and can do things differently. I'm 28 now, and just a couple weeks ago, as my wife, Dee, and I are leaving our apartment to go see her family, uh, I find myself unintentionally checking our stove looking and turning each 
of the knobs to make sure they're in the off position. Now I don't verbally say off, 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 but I definitely was thinking it as I twisted the knobs to their off position. I then went to make sure our lights were turned off and then I kid you not, I went back to the stove to make sure I checked it correctly the first time. I finally got out to the door, pulling and pushing to make sure our door was locking. Just a side note, our door is really hard to close in the first place, so I'm not just gently making sure the door locks, but sometimes I'm slamming our door two or three times before it actually latches and locks. And of course, the entire time I'm doing all this, Dee is patiently waiting in the car, I finally get into the car, I start to drive off, and of course two to three blocks out of our driveway. I wondered to myself whether or not I've locked our door. And so now I find myself having to drive back home those two to three blocks, run up the stairs, check the door only to find that the door is locked. And I'm not making this up. This just happened a couple of weeks ago. As a kid, I remember telling my dad that I wasn't going to be like him. And he would warn me, one day you'll understand. Because that's what I thought with your grandpa. And now I'm just like grandpa. And lo and behold, I'm doing the exact same things my dad, my grandpa, probably my great grandpa had been doing because of how ingrained it was in their habits. I find myself on one hand hating that I'm not that different and yet finding a sense of understanding that has led me to feel more empathy. Maybe you've thought this to yourself once upon a time, that you weren't going to do the same thing as your parents. Or maybe not saying the things your parents said to you as a kid, only to find yourself saying those same phrases to your children. Sometimes it's not even our parents. Sometimes it's a boss, a leader, a friend. But we can often look at these instances and remove ourselves from them so that we don't make the same mistakes. When we read scripture, I've found that we do something similar. As I've continued to look through Genesis and read these different stories of Abraham's lineage and how the blessing from God got passed down to each generation, uh, and, and not even just in Genesis, but the, the entirety of Scripture, I sometimes ask myself, how did you get it so wrong? Or if I were in that position, I would do something totally different. Maybe even thoughts of never going to end up like the Israelites, or the kings, or prophets, disciples. But when we think these thoughts, we remove ourselves from what I think Scripture might be trying to show us. I was in a small group five or six years ago with people from different life stages, and we were reading a passage that prompted an individual to ask, how do they get it so wrong? Like, if I were in the presence of God, I would never disobey God. Here's what happens. We read a story in Genesis, in Exodus, maybe from the New Testament, and we see an amazing miracle happen. Water being split so that the Israelites can walk through. Fire coming down from the heavens. Bread and fish multiplying to feed thousands. And we think to ourselves, wow, if I saw that, if that happened right in front of my eyes, there would be no reason to doubt God 
or to even begin to doubt that Jesus is who he says he is. But in reality, when we read scripture, this happens all the time. We like to remove ourselves from what's going on in scripture. We read stories like what we see in the Israelites and we just see a whiny group who will never be satisfied. Or Cain and Abel, a brother, jealous of his brother leading him to murder. We see leaders in scripture fall into acts that we think to ourselves we will never be like them. There's something happening in scripture when we read these stories. Because these downfalls, this grumbling, this sense of doubt from the people we read in the Bible doesn't happen once, but it happens time and time again, over and over across the generations upon generations. And I wonder if there's something that we need to be tuning into when we see these repeating stories. That our tendency is to think that we will never be like the Israelites, but in reality, our lives are lived so much closer to the people of Scripture than what we might think. I might not have killed my brother like Cain and Abel did, but there was definitely a point in my life where I almost did. My brother and I were, are like super close now, and we've since worked through a lot of things from when we were in middle school to now. My mom actually thinks my brother and I are close because of how much we fought and yelled at each other growing up. I might not have made a golden calf to worship, but I've definitely put other things in my life to distract myself while I felt like God's presence was distant. See, when we read scripture, our tendency our temptation, is to look at these stories and think we're better than that. To think we won't be making the same mistakes as they did in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. We like to think to ourselves that if we were in the same position, we would have got it. Or we wouldn't have disobeyed. Or at least not disobeyed God so quickly like the people in Scripture did. We take the stories in scripture, the mistakes, as warning signs of what not to do and strive to be better than those in the past, when in reality we are no different. I think what scripture is inviting us to do with these stories that repeat a similar narrative is to see ourselves in them. To see these stories and to think to ourselves, man, I'm just like King David at his lowest point. I'm just like the Israelites who continue to complain to God. I'm just like Peter or the rest of the disciples that seem to just not understand the entirety of who Jesus really is. I'm just like these people. It's in these moments where we have to invite God to change us. That God will work in us because we are no better than the people of Israel. We are no better than Jonah, than Cain, that we are no better than our parents, our boss, our teachers. It's when we read scripture and see these stories that we are prompted to ask God to remind us that we are in desperate need of a savior. It's in these stories that we are urged to not think to ourselves, man, these people just don't get it, or they are so out of tune with God and instead recognize that we too are just as broken, that we are just as selfish as Abraham's descendants, just as lost and whiny as the Israelites, just as clueless as some of the disciples, and just as desperate for a savior.
God, would you be working in us and be making us new? Would you help us to see the people in Scripture, not as far and distant stories, but would you help us to see ourselves instead? Would you be working in us and through us, making us new? As we listen to stories, read about the lives of people in Scripture, would you lead us into temp- not into temptation of thinking of ourselves as better than one another, but instead recognizing that we too are in desperate need of a Savior? Amen. Thank you so much, Richie, for sharing with us. You've given us a gift. Highway family, As we receive the gift of hearing Richie's story, and as we reflect on God's work in the lives of others, may we be faithful to whatever it is that the Spirit is stirring inside us. Whether that's being encouraged, convicted, challenged, or something else, may we be attuned to the invitation to transformation as we hear and receive the stories of others. And as we step into those invitations, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, may the stories of others impact the personal unfolding of our stories, of our own lives, that God is writing in and through us today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you today with open arms and open hearts. God, only you know how our stories will unfold. And I pray that each of us would feel your presence as we sit with the stories of others. God, show us in our own lives where you're working. We are forgetful sometimes. And we need that reminder, the reminder of what a gift your presence is in our lives. A reminder of the ways that you work even through, maybe especially during our hardest moments in life, God. Help us to hold fast to you in those moments. Help us to see you. Help us to feel your spirit in our hearts. We love you, Lord. In your son's redemptive name, amen.